If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 14. We're going to read it and then we're going to pray together. So Mark chapter 14, we're going to read verses 32 to 42. A preacher friend of mine always, a couple of them actually, they're like, does anybody bring their Bibles anymore to church? And they always give time for people to get to their, the the passage scripture. So sometimes I take a little more time because I hear the pages turning and I like that. If you have it on your phone too, that's okay. One of my preacher friends, he's high tech. He's like, get out your phones if you have those. Go Go to your Bible. Only the Bible app, not Facebook or anything. No, but I love to hear pages of Scripture turning. Uh, This is Mark chapter 14, verse 32 and following. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, you are a holy God. I pray as we come to your word that we would be open to what you have for us through it today. I pray that the Holy Spirit would guide and direct each one of us to understand and to apply what the gospel according to Mark and through the life of Jesus in the garden Lessons we can learn from it. These are not my words, but this is from a writer, and he prayed this. Lord, help us to accomplish your divine will in whatever manner you may wish to be served by us in this world, using diligence to keep ourselves peaceful and tranquil, taking everything from the hand of our Heavenly Father, for in your hand alone is the cup from which we have to drink. Lord, fill us with 
your will and help us to obey it. Help us to do your will, not our own. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. As I was sitting in my desk Thursday, you see the title there, Don't Forget Gethsemane. And I wrote this little poem called Don't Forget Gethsemane. Jesus was in agony for you and me. He went to a familiar place, Gethsemane. He called out that this hour might pass from Him. Prayer to His Father was not on a whim. Jesus understood that His Father's will was best. He submitted to that will for the good of the rest. Jesus was in agony for you and me. Don't forget Gethsemane. Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And as I, before I wrote that, I thought of this little chorus of a famous hymn. And if you want to join me, you can sing it. Lest I forget Gethsemane. Lest I forget thine agony. Lest I forget thy love for me. Lead me to Calvary. Sometimes we forget things, right? But this text reminds me and hopefully you and the rest who read this or listen to this, don't forget Gethsemane. What went on in the garden before Jesus was arrested? Charles Spurgeon wrote this as he was preaching on this verse, Mark chapter 14, verse 32. He said, In a garden, paradise was lost and won. In Gethsemane, the olive press, our Lord Himself was crushed. In Gethsemane. So let's take a look at this passage don't forget Gethsemane. Verse 32, we read it. But they went to a place called Gethsemane. Jesus and His closest followers, they just left the supper, right? They're going to this mount, this garden. He takes His closest followers. Judas is probably already gone here. He's going to do what He is going to do, and we'll get that later in the text. Right before that happens, and we'll see that next week. But they go to this garden near Jerusalem. And now if you notice Gethsemane, or you've studied Gethsemane, it was a place full of olive trees. That's why I wore green today. I, sometimes I look at the text and I remind myself, man, I need to just coordinate. And <laughs> I thought of olive oil. You probably have a can or a bottle sitting in your house. What color is it? It's always green or some sort of green. So I'm like, i got to wear green today because it's the olive garden, right? Not the one you go eat at. But Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, the olive place. And Jesus obviously wore ties, so that's why I wore a tie. Okay? <laughs> Gethsemane means an oil press. And if you 
caught Charles Spurgeon why he said, In Gethsemane, the olive press, our Lord himself was crushed. What do you do with an olive to make olive oil? You have to crush it. And in the text, Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus goes there and he is crushed. He's in agony. He's depressed, as one translation says. He's troubled in his spirit because of what's coming upon him. And you notice this obviously was a familiar place to his disciples because his closest, one of his closest friends, next week we're going to see, knows that he's going to be there and he takes the band of soldiers and high leaders to go arrest Jesus where it's going to be no crowd, right? Remember? They're looking for a way to arrest Jesus, but they don't want to do it in the crowds. And Judas knows exactly where they're going to be. We're going to get there next week. But this has to be a familiar place. They have most likely been there before. And Judas has been there before. He knows Jesus is going to be there. But Jesus takes the other disciples and he gets to the garden and he tells his disciples, sit here while I pray. So they sit down. And then he takes Peter, James, and John. Three of them. He takes the three closest disciples. And if you've been with us in the book of Mark so far, he takes Peter, James, and John where no other disciple could go. And if you remember, he went, before we get to the places they've been, Peter, James, and John were three out of the first four disciples called by Jesus. The fourth one was Andrew, Peter's brother. Three out of the first four called to follow Jesus, and he takes these three where no other disciple could go. Remember, these three were present with Jesus when he raised the 12-year-old girl from the dead. Remember, he takes Peter, James, and John into the room with his, the girl's parents. Only those three disciples were in there. No other disciple. So they got to witness that. And then, these three were also with Jesus when he was transfigured on the mount. Only those three. And what did Jesus tell those three disciples when they got down from the mountain? Don't tell anybody else what happened up there till I ascend, right? Till I get out of here. And now, these three are, to, are invited to come farther into the garden with Jesus. Only those three. I wonder what the other disciples were thinking. Like, oh, Peter, James, and John again? Why can't I go with you, Jesus? But the others sat, and Peter, James, and John got to go with Jesus a little bit farther away. And then, it says, He, Jesus, began to be deeply distressed and troubled. This may give you a little more understanding. Here's four different other translations, how they put it. The Holman Christian Standard Bible says, to be horrified and deeply distressed. Gives you a bigger picture there. The New Century Version, to be very sad and troubled. The New Living Translation, to be filled with horror and deep distress. And the message paraphrase puts it like this, he plunged into a sinkhole of dreadful agony. 
Jesus was deeply distressed and troubled, Mark tells us. And where did Mark get his information from? Peter. Peter experienced this. He saw Jesus like this. These three men, no doubt, Peter, James, and John, looked at Jesus as they were walking farther in the garden and they could tell something was not right in Jesus' body or Jesus' appearance or what, how Jesus was walking. They could probably tell. And then He lets them know, right? Verse 34, He lets them know, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. So what they were experiencing as they were walking, I I imagine Jesus is in front of them, leading them to where He wants to go. And they're they're looking at Jesus like something isn't right. They're probably not saying it out loud. But they're thinking, each one of them is like, Jesus is not walking right. What's wrong with them, they're probably thinking. And Jesus lets them know, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He's deeply distressed and troubled. And then he tells the three, Peter, James, and John, stay here and keep watch. My soul is overwhelmed with death, like overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Hey, Peter, James, and John, you sit here. Stay here and keep watch. I'm going to go a little farther. Okay? So then verse 35, he goes a little farther. Jesus fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. He fell to the ground and prayed. He fell to the ground. When I was picturing this, he's walking a little farther And all of a sudden, he just falls to the ground and starts to pray. In the Gospel according to Luke, I needed to bring this in because it gives us another picture. In the Gospel according to Luke, it says an angel from heaven appeared to Jesus and strengthened him. What a picture. Jesus falls to the ground and starts to pray. And can you imagine what Jesus must have felt like? Just another strength of an angel with him saying, there's strength with me now. There's an angel here with me. If you remember in the temptation in the, the, the wilderness with the devil, who came and strengthened him after the devil left? An angel. They're there to give him strength. And then he prayed what that this hour might pass from him jesus said if possible can this come away from me this burden was so heavy he says he's like this burden is heavy and i don't want to do it i can't do this that's what i picture he's saying i want this to be away from me I'm such in agony. I'm such overwhelmed to the point of death. I just want it no more. But then you keep going. Verse 36, Abba, Father, He said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. 
Yet not what I want, I will, but you will. Jesus calls to his Father. He has this close relationship with his Father and prays that he knows everything's possible for God. God, everything's possible with you. Most of the commentators said, I'm not going to get into the Abba word, but most commentators say nobody used that. No Jewish person used that. But now Jesus is using it because he has a close relationship with his Father. And he says, God, I know everything is possible for you. Father, you can do anything. And he pleads, take this cup from me. And he's still on the ground. Take this cup from me. Jesus wanted this heavy burden to be taken away from him. Have you ever wanted something heavy to be off of you? Jesus wanted that. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, take this cup from me, and said, amen, Father, here we go on our day. He said, take this cup from me, and then a beautiful word, yet. Not what I will, but what you will. Charles Spurgeon again said this. He was quoting E.D. Presence and he said this, My will, not thine be done, turned paradise into a desert. Thy will, not mine be done, turned the desert into paradise and made Gethsemane the gate of heaven. Remember back in the Garden of Eden, my will turned it into what? They got expelled from the Garden of Eden. But now in this garden, Jesus says, Thy will be done. It turned the desert into paradise and made Gethsemane the gateway of heaven. That's a beautiful picture of how Jesus says, I want your will to be done, not mine, Father. So he gets done with that the first time. And then he returns to his disciples, and what does he find? He finds them sleeping. After saying, remember he said, stay here, keep watch. He goes and prays, he comes back, and they're sleeping. He calls out to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? I don't picture that. I, I think Peter, maybe Jesus said it like this. Simon, are you asleep? Maybe not yelling. Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So he finds them sleeping. He calls out Peter by name. But then he says that, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Peter was singled out, right? And he's probably telling it to James and John too, but he calls Simon by name. And we're not there yet, but we got the preview. Remember what Jesus tells Peter. You're going to deny me three times. 
And what's going to happen? Jesus gets arrested. And what happens? What happens? Peter denies Jesus three times. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Peter was going to get a trial. And maybe Jesus wanted to remind him, you need to watch and pray. And remember, Peter emphatically says, I'm not going to deny you. I will die with you before I do that. And we're going to get there. He's going to deny him. But Jesus wanted Peter to watch and pray. And I think these are necessary ingredients for fighting off or overcoming temptations or trials that come along in this life. Peter, again, obviously learned his lesson because we're going to go to his letter. If you go with me to 1 Peter, he writes this in his letter. 1 Peter chapter 5, he, he learned his lesson and wanted others to realize that watching is a powerful tool to overcome temptations or trials. So 1 Peter chapter 5, look what Peter writes, starting in verse 6. Peter says, Humble yourselves, Therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Be alert. Watch. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will Himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To Him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Be alert. Be watching. And of sober mind. Because who's prowling around to devour us? The devil. So Peter, I believe, understood what watching means. Maybe not at the moment in the garden. But he obviously realized it and wanted other people to know, hey, you need to be alert. You need to stay awake. You need to watch. Because the devil's around seeking whom he may devour. So watching is a powerful tool to overcome temptations. But also, prayer is a powerful tool to overcome temptation and trials. And the writer of Hebrews gives us about prayer. So Hebrews chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse 14. So first you have watching. That's a powerful tool to overcome temptation or trials. And now we have prayer. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14 and following. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace 
with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And then you drop down to chapter 5, starting in verse 5. In the same way, Christ did not take on Himself the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to Him, You are My Son, today I have become your Father. He says in another place, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, He offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the One who could save from death. And He was heard because of His reverent submission. Son, though He was, He learned obedience from what He suffered, and once made perfect, He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey Him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. We have a high priest that knows what we're going through, and where do we go to find the mercy and grace in time of need? The throne of grace. Prayer. Crying out to God. Because what did Jesus do? He offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Jesus prays, not my will be done, God, but yours, Father. And we can go to God in prayer, to that throne of grace in time of need. And then you put the two together. And some of you may know it. We, I should uh, quiz us, Colossians 4, chapter 2. This was part of our memory verse, right? If you were in the Colossians Bible study. What does it say? I shouldn't turn there and just say it with you all who know it. What does it say? Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote yourself to prayer, that's a powerful tool to overcome temptation. But the Colossian Paul writer says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful. Be alert and thankful. And Jesus tells His closest disciples in the garden, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He's encouraging them. You can do it. And you need to do it. So Jesus, okay, then He goes and prays a second time. Once more, He went away and prayed the same thing. I just can't imagine this. Jesus is praying the same thing again. Remember how much agony and how much deeply troubled He is in His spirit? And he's praying again just like that. Take this cup from me, God, but not my will, but yours be done. And when he comes back, he found again, who does he find sleeping again? The same three because their eyes were heavy. They must have been tired, obviously. But they didn't know what to say to him. We're not going to go there, but I just imagine they didn't know what to say. They're like, you just told us to watch and pray again and we fell asleep again. Okay? But Jesus finds them asleep again. They didn't know what to say to Jesus. But then what does He do? He goes a third time. And what does He pray? The same thing. Do we ever pray the same thing three times? 
And then he returns. And he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Are you still doing it? One translation says, Okay, go ahead and rest. That's what one translation says. I don't know which one's right, but he comes back. Whatever it is, he's just saying, Okay, you can rest. It's, do it. But quickly he says, enough. The, the NIV says enough, which I love. Because it gives us this picture. He comes back and he says, are you still sleeping or resting? Or if it's, okay, go ahead and rest. But quickly he says, enough. You can't do it anymore. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. It's over. Agony in Gethsemane is about to end. Jesus is following His Father's will, not His own. But this can give us assurance. We can be reassured that Jesus understood what was coming upon Him. And the Father's will being played out for the good of all. He knows what's going to come. He says, the hour has come. The pe- Look, they're coming to hand, they're going to come arrest me. He knows what's ahead. And I, I love Scripture, okay? And I hope you do too. Do you love Scripture? And look how, look how it connects. Now, Whoever got Mark the first time, like whoever received Mark the first time, they didn't have all of this, okay? That's a given, right? But now we have all of the Scripture, right, before us. And Jesus, I believe He understood what was coming. He knows what's coming ahead of Him. He says, look, they're coming. Um, The Son of Man is going to be delivered in the hands of sinners. And I love... The all of Scripture, because if you go to Philippians, I know we're turning in our Bibles, but it, it connects. You go to Philippians, and Paul writes this in chapter 2. So have that in mind. Jesus knew what was coming. He understood the will of the Father. Because what did He say? Take this cup from me, but if you can't, I'm going to do your will. Not mine, but yours. Okay. Paul writes this in your relation chapter 2 Philippians 2 starting in 5. In your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted Him to the highest place and gave Him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Paul writes for us, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Even death on a cross. Remember he tells his disciples, the three of them, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. 
So I think he understood what was coming. And Paul kind of gives us that he became obedient to death. And then if you go to Hebrews chapter 12, And the writer of Hebrews says this about Jesus. Chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Listen to this. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus is in agony in the garden of Gethsemane. He says, Father, please, I'm pleading with you, take this cup from me, if possible. And then he says, not what I will, but what you will. And then he tells his disciples, you've got to be watching and praying. Don't let temptation overcome you. Jesus knew what was coming. And the writer of Hebrews just if you can picture it, I don't know how to picture it right now, but for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. Scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners. Remember, He says, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of sinners. They're coming. But then the Hebrew writer says this, and I believe, I hope, we don't see it in the garden and following because the disciples all scatter and they flee. But the Hebrew writer says, Consider Jesus who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus, in the garden of Gethsemane, was in agony, but what was He thinking of? Probably the entire world was on his shoulders. And that was probably the heaviness of it, the burden of it. Remember, Gethsemane means olive pressed. He's being crushed. He's being... Everything's being taken out of him. And then the end there, he says to the three, Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. He says, it's over. The hour has come. Let's all get up. And here they come. The betrayer is coming. We'll get that next week. But don't forget Gethsemane. Jesus carried the heaviest burden for the world. We heard it earlier. God loved the world so much, He sent His Son, and whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. And then you read this too. God demonstrated His love for us while we were still sinners. Who died for us? Christ. 
And then you get this, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not by works, so that no one can boast. Have faith in Jesus. He was in agony for you and me in the garden. Repent of sins. Believe Jesus is Messiah. Confess Him. Say, Jesus, You're the only one. You're the Messiah. Be baptized for the forgiveness of sin and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Romans writer Paul says this, We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Jesus was in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. His hour came for us. If you want to sing it again, sing it with me. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget Thine agony, Lest I forget Thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. Don't forget Gethsemane. Let's pray. Oh, holy God, Your Son Jesus was in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew His hour. The hour was coming. And He said, Your will be done, not His. So thank You for Jesus and for this passage and text that we can study together and learn from. Help us to be watchful and prayerful as we look to Jesus the Savior of the world. It's two simple words, but all I can say, and I think we can all say it, thank you. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let us all stand as we sing our last song.